Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The CBJ will bring a 10-game point streak into the final game of 2019, but not without controversy, as an officiating gaffe cost the team a win and its starting goalie on Sunday night. We'll talk about the week that was for Columbus as we head into the new year, as well as the upcoming All-Star game, and some more goalie talk. I am Ryan Rial. Joining us for this week, we've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hello. And we've got Pale Dragon. Hey, PD. I'm not answering any God questions. (laughs) Well, we have a bunch for you because we have a lot to talk about on this episode. As you would imagine, we've been recording during games. This is the first time in a long time where we haven't. And boy, do we have quite a bit to talk about. I do kind of miss that streak, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. It was working out, right? It was working out well for us. But so it goes. The Blue Jackets have secured points in their last 10 games, including last... Monday night, where we recorded during the Islanders game. They battled through a wide range of injuries, but the biggest story as we record this on Monday night was the game against Chicago. By now, you're probably up on what happened, but 1.1 seconds ran off the clock after a whistle, and time was not put back on. Zach Wierenski scored less than a second after the buzzer to end overtime, and the Jackets lost in a shootout while starting goaltender Jonas Corpusella was injured. Tortorella went off in a post-game presser. The league responded with like a mealy mouth statement that chastised Torts but didn't really explain or clarify anything else. So we have a lot to unpack here. He kind of apologized today, Torts did, for his loss of discipline. But Uh, what do we make of it? Well, first of all, he shouldn't have apologized because everything he said was exactly right. And the league and its officials deserve to be called out for that because that is completely, uh, it's unconscionable what happened there. Now, I saw that you know, last night Colin Campbell had said that Tor's actions were unprofessional and unacceptable. And I saw that Will and I both had the same reaction on Twitter, which was, no, what the officials did was also <laughs> unprofessional, unacceptable. I mean, the the clock 
kept running after the whistle for 1.1 seconds. And it and the, the jackets pointed it out and the officials just they didn't do anything. They refused they to take a time out. Yeah, they took a time out and said, hey, we think the clock's wrong. You know, can you take a look at this? And the officials somehow decided, no, I mean, we, we right. know that they have the ability to do it. We know they have the technology to do it. And and, you know, one point one seconds, it's not a lot. But when you're in a late game situation like that, it matters a lot. Rowenski's yeah. goal, it went in 0.2 seconds after the clock expired. Like that fraction of a second would have mattered there. Uh, and it's, you know, a lot of times uh, there are, you know, big officiating blunders. It's rare that we see one that so directly impacts the outcome of the game. Because right. if this happened with, you know, three minutes left in overtime, let's say. Well, there'd be a lot of time to still do something. You know, that wouldn't all be on the refs then. But <laughs> this directly affected whether or not that goal would have counted. And that is just, that's absolutely infuriating when what is, you know, they do what was necessary to get that potentially game-winning goal, but the officiating blunder took that away from them. So my takeaway was there's no accountability from the NHL. And I get it. I get stuff like this happens, and it probably shouldn't, but it does. And Colin Campbell had an explanation to me that didn't answer anything other than to basically say, oh, well, uh, the refs looked at it, or I should say the refs had the, the chance to look at it, and if they, didn't, if they decided not to, or if they decided, oh, we're just going to leave it as it is, it's like Toronto, or it's, it's like there's no accountability anywhere. It's like we have people in Toronto that look at stuff like this or look at games all the time, uh, the refs on the ice, the officials in the building, and it's like, oh, well, we'll just let it go. So, you know, what's to say it doesn't happen again? And I get it. I mean, I get people that say, well, don't blow a 2 nothing lead, but that doesn't even matter. I mean, I mean, okay, if it's a 6 nothing game in the end, fine, it really wouldn't matter. But really, the league, even if the league were to admit that they messed up, I get that they're not going to go back and reverse it or anything, but to at least own up to it and say, yeah, we, we messed this up. But the league is basically saying, oh, well, like, doesn't matter. Uh, the refs did what they wanted to, and we're going to let that go. Right, like they don't care that a mistake is being made. And, and, you're, and you're right, they're, they're, they're not going to change the outcome of the game. No one expects that. But, like, admit that a mistake was made and give us some indication that you care that a mistake was made and maybe that you're looking in your process to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Imagine if something like this happened in a Stanley Cup playoff game. You know, right? Well, Dan O'Halloran was the one who messed up the Sharks' Vegas call, which everybody was quick to point yeah. out on Sunday night. This, so a couple of things from my end. PD, you did a really nice cannon blast, drawing a line to Saturday's Fiesta Bowl and how there's technology to get things right and, and the way you look at things and the way it affects the game. You were also right in Sunday's game being a much more direct outcome of that officiating blunder with the 18.1 seconds and then also losing Corpus Allo. It's not just to lose the game, but you've lost who is now your all-star goalie for a matter of weeks, a matter of weeks. And it is a knee injury, as Tortorella said today. We don't know much more than that. It is a knee and it will be weeks. But not only do you lose the game, but you lose your all-star goalie. And to this team right now, that is a far more crushing blow than getting than losing a point uh, in in what was this the penultimate game of 2019? And I think that is why I think that's why 
Torts was so upset. Yes. You know, yes. obviously he wants to win games and he's upset about losing the game. But it seemed to me in the tone of his voice and the way that he mentioned several times about Gorpy being hurt, that he was affected by the fact that this game could have been over, but it went to a shootout and Corpusalo hurt himself in the shootout. Yes. And the other part of that is Tortorella flying off the handle like this makes this national news. I mean, it's the number one story in hockey on Monday until they released the All-Star rosters, which was a debacle the way they did that. But this was <laughs> the number one story because Torts did this. And that's good. I think that's a good thing. And I have yet to see a Jackets fan say, boy, Torts really shouldn't have done that. It was, I mean, like every every single Jackets fan is in his corner for this, which is good because I think that this team probably, I mean, with the... They've been playing well as of late. They've been winning. They've been doing... But this is this is another case of Columbus... I was thinking about this last night, and I, I kind of couldn't put it into words, but this is such a Columbus thing to have happen, first off, blowing a two-goal lead like that. But then to have... I mean, we remember it in Los Angeles. We remember, you know, um, Wes Wallace's pants. We remember all these these things, the distinct kicking, mo- kicking motion, that cow, all these injustices that the <laughs> Columbus yeah. has uh, suffered. But this is another case of that. Tortorella... Losing his mind is another way to bring attention to this. And I mean, if this happens in Toronto or, you know, Montreal, this is this is a thing. But just because it's torts, this is a way to draw interest to this. So what I'm saying is, I think this is a, a, a way and it, it is it really sucks about Jonas. And we're going to talk about that later. But this is it, it's a nice little maybe a nice little rallying cry right now. You know, sure. like this is another everybody circle the wagons around torts, circle the wagons around this team and this and this franchise in the way that it is. We think it is perceived and this very clearly. And, and the other thing is like, this is not, and I don't want to say it because, you know, this is not something that you could parse and be like, oh, that was a fumble. That was this. You can see it. This is clear. This is clear as day. There is no getting around how much uh, of an incorrect decision this was. I think too that um, for the most part, I have a lot of Blackhawks fans on my Twitter. So funny because. A few people do the typical, oh, cry baby, blah, blah, blah. And I have, to, I have to stop myself from even bothering to respond because I don't want to get into, you know, an argument back and forth because I'm going to think what I want to think and that's that and I just let it go. But, you know, it's like I would like to see those same fans say the same thing if it was their team or, you know, would they, would just, say, would they just say, oh, well, my coach shouldn't be mad. I mean, of course his coach is going to be mad. So – but for the most part, I did see both sides agree. Like, yeah, they were. He yeah, clearly has a point. I, I think everybody can see that, even if you're biased, a fan, whatever. But um, yeah, I think Ryan. I was thinking about it too. This happens to Columbus. It seems like I know other teams have had stuff happen. The Blues had it happen to them in the playoffs last season, and maybe they used it to their own rallying cry and overcame it. But that's just it. Are we going to see this again in the playoffs when it really like when a game is really on the line? Or a decision or an outcome really matters to the point where, you know, whether it's advancing or jobs on the line. Yeah, in the end of the day, maybe the Blue Jackets, maybe they finish in last place at the end of the year and the Blackhawks don't go anywhere either. But still, it shouldn't really matter when you see a situation like this happen and it's like at least own up to it, NHL, and admit that you messed up. I just want to get out what Seed said on Twitter and what, what PD said. Yeah. What I alluded to is it just they shouldn't have been in that position we're not defending the Jackets for blowing a two-goal lead late against Chicago. That, that, that sucked, and that's something to clean up. But the other part of that, and I, I don't know how we want to tackle this next, but Jonas Corposalo, losing him is going to be a big deal. And now Elvis 
Merzlikens, who, as we have talked about, has yet to get a win and suffered a loss for seeing all of two shots in the shootout, which is brutal. I mean, that sucks. But he said today he will not be talking to the media. He wants to be left alone and he wants to focus on himself and getting in his own skin as he gets used to being, I guess, what is ostensibly the man now. Matisse Gavlenix is called up, but it looks like it will be Elvis for the foreseeable future. Yeah, this is a, uh, yeah, Elvis is the guy now. Uh, I know Jackets fans have been clamoring for for him to get more work, and unfortunately, this is the way that that's going to happen. What I think is interesting about his recent play is, you know, obviously the workload and the balance has been a point of contention all season, and and I think the criticisms of, of towards for that are, are well-founded. But uh, starting just before Thanksgiving, uh, Merzlikens was given a stretch of four straight Saturdays where he got a start, mm-hmm. um, which now any, any goal is going to want to start more than just once a week, but that's still better than what he had. It was regular work. More than anything, a goalie wants regular work. Like, okay, I'm going to start every Saturday. Boom, fine. I'll be mentally ready, physically ready to play every Saturday. Um, and get the results. There's not the kind of improvement that you would expect to see over that time frame, um, including a an 8.85 save percentage against Florida in the third of those games, and then obviously the fourth one was the Ottawa game where he gave up two goals and eight shots in the first period, and that was it. And he hasn't played since then until that shootout, uh, where yeah, which I, I feel kind of bad for him. You come in cold off the bench and you got to face Patrick Kane in a shootout scenario. Right. It's just it's just unfair. Um, so now if he, you know, if he was want, eager for more time, well, he's going to get it. And what the f- good thing for the Jackets is that the January schedule is weird, but I think weird in a favorable way. Uh, there are only 11 games in January and only two back-to-backs. Um, so I think uh, you know, it's not going to be an insane workload. Uh, I think the balance of opponents, there's enough soft wins in there that I think he should have a chance to get some wins finally. And he'll obviously get a chance for some home starts starting with uh, the New Year's Eve game, it seems like, against Florida. Yeah, it's up to all of us now. And we've been wondering, as PD was mentioning, we've been wondering, uh, in general, we've been wondering when Elvis would play again. And now the hand has been forced to where he will definitely have to play consistently. So at least he can answer that question of, you know, how does he play with consistent playing time? I would think, and I would, comparing it to Corpus Solo in the beginning, I would think just having that normal amount of everyday playing time for the most part, I would expect he would get into more of a groove. Hopefully, I could never really blame Elvis for giving up an early goal in a game or maybe giving up a bad goal because it was like, how much of that is rust? So hopefully he works off that rust quickly enough, and I think that will happen as he gets more playing time. Um, everybody talks about the, de- the, de- the uh, defense in front of Corpus Solo. As good as Corpus Allo has been, a lot of people like to mention the defense and how they've helped uh, maybe reduce his workload shots-wise, you know, shots faced and all of that. So I'm hoping that if, that's, if that was such the strength as it was in front of Corpus Allo, hopefully the defense remains just as good in front of Elvis to help relax him and help him uh, have, you know, favorable results for the most part. I won't expect him to maybe be on, you know, Corpus Allo's level, obviously, right away as far as playing as well as he had been, but hopefully just, you know, getting in there tomorrow and, and going forward, he will just feel relaxed, 
feel good that, okay, this is my chance to finally play. I don't have to worry about Corpus Paolo right now and, you know, just see what happens. But the, hopefully the defense in front can help him and the offense can score some goals for him. Yeah, the interesting. I would say, though, that the the defense hasn't been bad in front of him necessarily. You know, I'm looking here at his stats for the season and – well, in the, the Islanders' loss right after Thanksgiving and the Florida loss the week after that, in both of those games, the Jackets allowed fewer than 30 shots on goal. And uh, he still gave up multiple goals each time. So, you know, I don't think uh, it's not like they've been a sieve in front of him that he's facing this onslaught of, of shots all the time. Really, he hasn't faced that kind of attack since his first game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, my main point wasn't to say the defense is bad. It was more on the on the other side of it, whereas people were saying, was Corpus Allo really that good, or was it because the defense has been that good in front of him? So I'm saying, hopefully the defense is good. As, if, if people like, it seems like some people are kind of discrediting Corpus Allo because of how good the defense has been. So I'm saying, hopefully the defense being as good as it was for Corpus Allo will still be as good going forward in front of Elvis, right. which I don't expect why, you know, I don't, think it wouldn't be as good but just to say like you know a lot of people who seem to sort of discredit Corpus Allo, at least because of the defense hopefully the defense keeps doing what it's been doing in front of all the going forward sure and, and I think that uh the narrative deserves to change about Corpus Allo. I think it was true that in the first two months of the season he was propped up a bit by the defense and that he was just maybe average but uh over the last month he has been He's been better than average. Um, I was I was looking at his stats for this 10-game point streak. Uh, Corpus All has a save percentage of 942, and his goal allowed average is just above 1.7. That's that's really good, and that's not just defense. That is Corpy making making key saves at key times. So he's been really great, and it really really stinks to to lose him. For one, it, it hurts the team to be having a losing a goalie who's really hot. And that it also it sucks for him because he was really hitting his stride. Yeah, I've been I've been high on the Corpus Allo bandwagon all along, so it just it, it, it is disappointing, obviously, to see him miss time now. But at least we get a chance to see all this. So not the way we want to see it, but now it's like okay, we'll 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 get to see what Elvis can do now. On last week's podcast, I think it was, I was talking about Elvis, and I, I was a little worried about his mental state by not playing as often and and just kind of sitting and languishing. And I'm fine with him not talking to the media. I don't care. But that statement he said, I don't want to read into it, especially for someone whose who's first language may not be English. And, but, but in terms of, it was very clear that he is feeling it right now. That, that statement, I think the, the, the phrase, I just want to be left alone. And I just want you guys to all leave me alone. And this is more pressure on me. This is my moment. And he, he knows how many losses he has. That statement is fine on its face in context and not wanting to talk to the media. But I am a little bit worried about how much he is feeling it right now. And and I don't know if y'all have a take on that or, or wish he would talk to the media or do interviews or whatever. You know, I saw some takes from national hockey bloggers and, and media about that. But I'm... I want Elvis to succeed. I want him to be happy. I am I am worried. I am worried, though. I, I don't read too much into that. I mean, goalies are, are so weird, and each one has his own way of approaching the game. So I would just say I want Elvis to do whatever he thinks he needs to do to be fully ready mentally, physically, to be able to play his best game. 
Uh, and if that's, you know, not talking to the media beforehand, like that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need to hear him talk. I just need to see him play well. And I'm not expecting him to beat the world, uh, on new year's Eve. Um, but I would like to see as he gets more playing time, uh, I just want to see that improvement from him. I want to see mm-hmm. him growing more and more comfortable. Yeah. If rust has been a factor with that, with those early goals, then I want to see him, uh, you know, what, what happens when he doesn't have rust, you know, hmm. can we, can we see him start games better going forward? That that's, I just want to see improvement from him going forward. Um, and hopefully he does. I, I, I want there to be a goalie controversy after this because he's playing too well to be benched after Corpy comes back. You know, I would love to see that. I, I, from what I've seen so far, I don't know that we will see that, but you know, for the team's sake, I hope we we get improvement from Elvis at a better Elvis than we've seen. I want to see the Elvis that we expected to see coming into the season, not the one that we've seen so far. Yeah, at the very least, I want to see Elvis, like he said, like PD just said, I want to see that he just gets better and better. And I think he will just having the normal playing time. I, I mean, I can't imagine how tough it is to be on the bench all the time for the most part, barely getting a game. Um, I can't even, I think the Ottawa start, when was it? on a Saturday a few weeks ago was his last start, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, and then, of course, the cold shootout appearance last night, maybe last night. I mean, it's hard to go into a shootout as it is. And then having a guy like Patrick Kane or whoever coming in at you, he probably didn't even have a chance to think about it. But regardless, I think that he will be better just just getting in there, getting more reps. Um And at the very least, I would hope that he is playing well enough to at least, I think... If, if Torch doesn't trust him or hasn't trusted him, I hope that at the very least he says, okay, Elvis played well enough that I at least can split my the load between the two goalies. And I know that maybe mm. with the, the uh, Christmas break and the way some of the days off were, that maybe they thought, oh, we can just keep going Corpusalo. But with the load that it was, that was, that was not sustainable overall. So I would, I would hope at least that he would say, okay, we can at least do El, uh, Corpus Allo, you know, three, four games in a row and then get Elvis in there once or twice and then have more of a steadier back and forth um, timeshare. Yeah, and I, I I'll add, related to that, in defense of torts, um, I feel like he is not going into the season with a certain quota. Like, Corpy is going to per- start this percentage of games and Elvis is going to start this percentage of games. I think he is taking it on a game-by-game basis as he's making the lineup, all right, which goalie do I think is going to give this team the best chance to win? And more often than not, he's thought that it has been Corpy because Corpy's the guy that he has the familiarity with. And then this month, Corpy's been playing so well, mm-hmm. you got to ride the hot hand. The team's playing well. They're playing well in front of him. They, the team has that trust and confidence in him. So obviously, you're going to ride that. Um, I I think that's totally fine. Uh, you know, it is not... It's not Corpusalo's job to develop Elvis. Um, you know, his job is to have the team win games. Now, if this were a team that was well out of playoff contention, then yeah, I could see the argument, well, hey, we got to get these young guys reps. We got to see what they can do. But this team is not quite at that point yet. This is a team that still thinks that they can contend. They still feel like they are within distance of a playoff spot. And so therefore, they're going to be still playing to win until they are completely out of it, uh, which I think is fine. And, and goalie is such a tough position, too, because it's one thing if you had a 
like a rookie winger and say, oh, well, this game, I'm going to go ahead and put him on the power play unit and just see what happens. Like, you can do that mm-hmm. with a winger. You can't do that with a goalie. You can only play one goalie at a time, and he's your last line of defense. And if <laughs> he's not up to it, uh, it can be real. It's it can be really bad for the team because uh, he's going to be letting in more shots, and the team is going to play differently because they have a different goalie behind them. It's just it's it's a tough situation, and I and I sympathize with uh, with that, and I, and I and I give I forgive Torts for going with the hot goalie and the goalie who he thinks is going to win, not so much giving Elvis what he needs to be better. Yeah. And I agree that I, I, I've been, I mean, I haven't really, um, I, I kind of thought Elvis might've started say last night's game, for instance, but for the most part, I can't really blame towards either for going with Corpus Allah because as you mentioned with the hot hand, but also just, it's like at the end of the season, if the one thing we find out is that Corpus Allo really can't be an NHL starter, because before this season, we didn't really know what we had with Corpus Allo outside of the last couple of seasons being a backup. And we saw the way Torts went with Bob so often, uh, you know, with familiarity and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, OK, Corpus Allo might get 10 or 15 starts a year. But now we're seeing, OK, he can really, at least so far, has been able to prove that he can handle a daily you know, the, the start on the daily basis and playing to the level of an NHL starter. So if that's the one thing we take away, you know, I'd rather, I, I guess I'd rather basically know like of the two goalies, at least we know one can probably be a starter as it, unless, you know, a, 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 opposed to just going back and forth and not having a consistency one way or the other. At least we know to this point that Corpus Allo has proven to be an NHL starter. Right, because they, they, they might have to make that decision this summer with both of them being yeah. restricted free agents. They might have to commit to only one. I will say there, too, uh, in terms of when Elvis could have played during the streak, I think the one start where it seemed like it would have been a natural fit for Elvis to start would have been that Detroit game, which was a road game. It was the second leg of back-to-back. It was against the worst team in the league. That should have been an Elvis start to try to maybe shake off what he did against Ottawa. And in that game... Corpy started off really bad. He mm-hmm, gave up mm-hmm. three goals on the first, what, eight shots that he faced. Mm-hmm. Now, again, he ended up getting the win, but that was by far his worst performance of this of this streak. So I, I can accept the argument that that should have been that should have been an Elvis start. But otherwise, uh, you know, he went with Corpy and, you know, more often than not, that was the right call. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We are back and some big news for the Blue Jackets announced on Monday as Seth Jones and Jonas Corposalo have been selected to represent the Blue Jackets at the 2020 All-Star Game in St. Louis. Nick Foligno was selected as one of the 31 last men in. So so fans can vote on uh, trying to get one more person in. I, I guess that's what that is. But anyway, great for Jones. It's his fourth straight appearance and Jonas Corposalo. I can't really see him playing. I mean, knowing what we know now, which is virtually nothing, but I, I don't know. But but great for him as well. Both of those guys getting in there. 
Yeah, so I was uh, I was expecting Jones to be R one rep just because the the forwards in the Metro it's very deep and none of ours have really been barn burners or anything. And so among the defensemen in the division, uh, that's not as deep. Jones has been playing a lot better lately. So yeah, sure. That that's an easy pick for them to make Corpus. That, that really surprised me, uh, that he got on there. But as I was looking at the stats, right. I think it's, I think it's, it makes a lot of sense actually. Um, I mean, the only ones, the only one who I would say, would be more deserving than him in the division is actually Semyon Varlamov of the Islanders. Uh, but even with him, he's been spending time with Thomas Grice, and their save percentage is nearly identical. So maybe they decided they couldn't pick one over the other, or maybe they thought they were just products of the system there based on you know the same stats last year, right. Leonard and Grice. Um, and I think the only other one besides Varlamov that had a better goals against average than Corpy was uh, Carter Hart. So, yeah, he's definitely worthy. Now, the other goalie, I'm going to quiz you guys here, all right? I'm going to give you two goalies. So, goalie A has a save percentage of 906. Goalie B has a save percentage of 904. Goalie A has goals against average of 2.89. Goalie B has a goals against average of 2.95. Uh, goalie A has one shutout. Goalie B has no shutouts. Goalie A has 12 wins, and goalie B has 17 wins. Do you want to take any guesses as to which goalie is which? Hmm. Well, I was just going to say, is goalie A, like, flurry? Uh, nope. Go- goalie, both goalies are in the Metropolitan. I was just thinking it's probably in the East anyway, so never mind. Hmm. I don't know, but I'm assuming, I don't know which one, but I'm going to guess that one of them is Holpe. Correct. Goalie B is your other all-star, Braden Holtby. <laughs> Goalie A is Mackenzie Blackwood. Well, wow. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Holtby has been a worse goalie this year than Mackenzie Blackwood, who I think most people would say, oh yeah, he hasn't been good this year. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> obviously Holtby has a, has a very good record. He's tied with Corpus Allo in wins, and they're tied for second in the league in wins, but... He's playing for the Capitals. I think any goalie right. would be playing well <laughs> right. for the Capitals. So, yeah, I think if I, if I were picking, I would have gone with Farlamov and Corpusalo as the as the goalies from the Metro. Uh, but yeah, Holt beyond there, that is uh, that's a head scratcher. It's funny, like what you said. I think a little bit that that maybe speaking personally, it might be a fit force for the tree situation. Like mm-hmm. watching Corpusalo and and paying attention to every single game, like we do, and, but to see it zoomed out in a press release where it's like, you know, he's tied for fifth in shutouts, tied for third in wins since November first. He ranked second in the league in goals against average, and, and and once you see it all laid out, you're like, oh damn, okay, yeah. I think it's funny because you know Corpusalo, as you guys said, you know he's top three in wins, which is like tied for second in the NHL, and he's got better numbers than Holpe, and it's like. I think for the most part, a lot of people would say, oh, well, since November this, he's, you know, top 10 in the NHL and this or that. And a lot of people would say, oh, that's such a small sample size. But now it's almost January and it's, you know, this this, this point streak and 
going back beyond that, you know, basically just since be the beginning of November, it's been about two months of this. And it's like, yeah, Corpus Allo has been really good. And there's been the articles in The Athletic about, oh, he's been he hasn't been that good because of this or that. And it's like, OK, he actually has been good. He's doing it for a longer sample size now. Now, the injury comes at a horrible time regardless. But um, yeah, it's like I think he's starting to finally get that notice. Like, yeah, this isn't just two weeks or a hot, a little hot stretch. This is, for the most part, his entire season outside of a couple of clunkers that's going to happen to any goalie or a tough, maybe it's tough October. But seeing him make the all-star team and seeing where his numbers are, it's like, yeah, he has been that good. Yeah, so I, this morning I saw this really interesting chart. It was tweeted by uh, someone named Cole Anderson. He's at Ice Cold Data with underscores between the words there. I think it was Allison Lucan who uh, retweeted this. And it, it's a chart showing um, goalies' expected goals versus actual goals over the course of the season. And there's a, a bar that shows what replacement level is. And for about the first half of his season, Corpusala was at or just below that replacement level bar. But then over the most recent half of the season, his line has been trending fairly consistently up to the point where he's now the fourth best goalie in the league over the season in terms of uh, expected goals allowed minus actual goals allowed. So, yeah, you're exactly right, Will, that uh, I think people around the league are starting to take notice that Okay, Corpus Hall is actually putting together a pretty good year. Maybe they knew what they were doing? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, I get we want to see a guy like Elvis get more starts, and you can make the case at times that he should have. But I also have been saying, you know, I don't mind Corpus Hall playing because he's been so good for the most part, and the team is playing well. They're winning for the most part when he's out there. I mean, at least lately. And so it's like, I guess I would rather know for sure that we have potentially a, a sure thing in one guy versus not having an idea about either guy and just rotating just for the sake of rotating. It's not like the Islanders where you can almost put any goalie in there and for the most part they're going to win. But it's nice to at least know of the two what they might have in Corpus Allo for the future. But I agree, at least now we'll see Elvis on a more constant, consistent basis and you know, maybe see what can come out of that. Well, speaking of goalies, we are running out of time, but I do want to talk about New Year's Eve night. Bobrovsky is back and it looks like he'll take on Elvis. This is a game that I think a lot of people had circled since the summer when the schedule came out and Bob signed with Florida. But I think now, you know, given the last couple of days events, it's definitely overshadowed a bit by, by the injury and, and clock gate and all this, but it's still, you know, Still going to be a big game. This point streak is on the line, and it's New Year's Eve. That's always a fun, fun night. Yeah, yeah. That's always it's always a always a fun time going to Nationwide for for a New Year's Eve game. There's, I know, I don't know if they're doing it again, but in past years they've had like fireworks inside the arena afterwards. It's always cool mm-hmm. then to go to any of the arena district bars afterwards and hang out, have a drink. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what kind of reaction Bob gets. Uh, Panarin got some booze. But I was at that game and it seemed like it was more of like a vocal minority. Uh, when they did their tribute video, there's a standing ovation for Panarin. So certainly for Bob, I think there's going to be a very strong ovation for him when they do that tribute yeah. video. And I'm, I'm a little bit curious if he's even going to start. I don't know what his workload has been recently, but it'd be interesting if they decided to 
bench him for this one, just avoid any of that drama <laughs> or any of that emotion from his game. I think I wanted to point out as I was looking through these goalie stats, both Corpusalo and Bobrovsky have faced the exact same number of shots against this year. <laughs> 901 shots against. Now, Corpusalo has played two more games, two more starts, and has played uh, about a 180 more minutes than Bobrovsky has. Has made uh, 14 more saves. Uh, his save percentage is 913 to Bob's 898, and his goals against average is 249, or 2.49 to Bob's 3.26. Hmm. And Corpusalo is making, uh, he has his cap hit is 11. <laughs> 11.5% of what Bob's cap hit is. <laughs> yeah, and th- that's a different, that, that's a large enough difference in goals against and save percentage that, like, that's that's a that's a sizable difference. Yeah, now, I mean, granted, uh, I think Florida is not as good at team defense than Columbus is, but sure. yeah, I, well, I, th- and I think it shows you too that, uh, you know, in terms of relative value, in terms of what they're getting paid, what their cap hit is. Uh, yeah, I, I think it seems like letting Bob walk was perhaps the right decision. Yeah, uh, so looking at the Florida Panthers' last few games, it seems like for the most part they've been alternating Bobrovsky's starts. So if that trend continues, he would not start tomorrow night. But I hope he does, <laughs> just because it would be – it would be kind of fun, I guess, to see him against Columbus, um, or I should say in Columbus, against Columbus. But And it would have been fun to see Corpusalo versus Bobrovsky, kind of the understudy against the the, two, the teacher or whatever. But um, I hope that, and of course, Elvis went against Florida back in Florida earlier in the month. So maybe this is kind of a good thing for Elvis to say, okay, I face this team. Maybe he'll have, I don't know, some sort of, advantage i don't know he lost the game but regardless yeah well um, it, it, and, and this this would be the the first time that he has faced a team yeah. for a second time right so. right and his first home start that's right yeah. this is his first home start he's only had he's only hit the ice twice in nationwide arena basically a period and change but uh yeah i am hoping i'm kind of curious actually I, I would think bobrovsky would have a nice ovation i really can't imagine booing him just because there was really, I don't think the Blue Jackets, I mean, I know they offered him technically a contract. He was never going to come back. We knew that. I don't think they really wanted him to come back because they were trying to figure out between Corpusalo, Elvis, and some of these prospects for the future. And of course, the money hit that it, you know, going into a goaltender like that. But um, there's really no reason to boo him, but I'm sure someone will. But he's the best goalie in franchise history. He definitely deserves a... Very uh, strong applause, and I know the video will be interesting, probably emotional, but uh, should be a fun game. Hopefully Columbus can just keep the streak going and get two points back. I'm I'm almost certain I'll tear up at the video. I'm almost certain. Uh, Another fun Bob fact for you. Over his last three uh, games, all starts, he has a save percentage of 861 Mm -hmm. and a goals against average of five. Whoa. Yeah. And Getz is two one and uh two and one in those games. Beat beat Dallas and Montreal and lost to Tampa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that six five game last uh, time out, so <laughs> wow. All right, boys, we are just about out of time. We can go around for final thoughts. And I want to know, you can talk about whatever you want, but I also want to know what you want to see out of 2020. It can be anything. But final thoughts. 
Let's see. Final thoughts. What do I want to see out of 2020? Well, I guess it would be cliche to say the typical, you know, good New Year. Hope the Blue Jack. I mean, if it's like the Blue Jackets, you know, you want to see them play well and all that. I don't know. That's it puts me on the spot. But I guess okay. I guess from a Blue Jackets perspective, like I was kind of mentioning earlier, I, I and what I've been thinking about overall and before really this point streak took on a life of its own. I just wanted to see the Blue Jackets. I wanted to have an idea of what this team had from a core perspective. We know with Atkinson, his offensive issues and all that stuff aside, or Josh Anderson, like forget the veterans. I was just excited to see the the rookies, the young players play going into the season. And I wanted to have an idea that they were at least uh, getting better and progressing. And I think we've seen a lot of that. So I guess my hope for the Blue Jackets in 2020 is – I'm not. I'm not worried about playoffs. I'm just wanting to see a core, a budding core, um, and also that core begin to really make the lineup decisions that much tougher. You know, just because a guy is getting paid doesn't mean he should automatically be where he is in the lineup if a, a younger guy, a younger player, is playing well and pushing him. So I just want to see a competition amongst amongst the roster just continue to develop in really push the veterans who are out because of injury or not playing well. Just know that going into next season that this core really is there to to compete and make this team what we think they can be. That's good. Well, all right, PD. So I wanted to talk about um, how uh, on Monday the 23rd uh, at the Cannon, we joined uh, most of the other SB Nation NHL blogs in going dark for a day. Uh, out of solidarity for our colleagues uh, in California. Uh, Back in September, California passed a new piece of legislation with regards to how companies handled uh, freelancers working for them. And so in response to that law, Vox Media and SB Nation have decided to terminate the contracts that they have with all of the writers who are either covering California teams or who cover other teams but happen to live in California. And... um, I think the law was perhaps well-intentioned, but not well thought out. And I also think that SB Nation's decision uh, was not wise uh, with regards to how they handled that. Uh, so many. So I hope in 2020 that there is perhaps another, uh, a different resolution to this situation that will allow so many of these writers to continue to contribute uh, in a similar way to the way they have been. You know, a lot of us we. We are not we are not employees, and we don't want to be employees. This is just a side job for us. We want to be able to contribute, you know, an article or so a week. That's the right workload. We have day jobs that uh, that we do that are our primary form of support. Um, and, and a law like this prevents us from being able to make what money we do make from from doing our job. Now, obviously, it doesn't affect us yet that live in Ohio or or elsewhere. Um, but there'd be concern that uh, other states may pass similar laws or that SB Nation may be tempted to adopt this model in other states where they have just a handful of employees running all of the blogs for a state. Um, I think that would lose a lot of what makes SB Nation special. Um, I like that we have seven different writers on our blog and we all have a unique perspective and we all have a unique voice. Uh, I like that we are not, we're not professionals really. Now we handle ourselves with professionalism, but what you're getting from our site is not what you get from 
a newspaper like the dispatch or a website like the athletic, you know, what we are giving is the fan perspective. You know, I don't want to watch games from the press box. I like to watch games from the stands. I like to be able to be a fan. And what we're giving you is not just, you know, straightforward reporting and analysis of what the team's doing. What we're trying to give to the world is the pulse of the Blue Jackets fan, because that's what we are. We are Blue Jackets fans. And those writers covering the Ducks and the Kings and the Sharks, they're fans of those teams. And by by not being able to, to write as much as they have been, the, their fans are losing that voice as something to be able to read on those sites. And, and I think that's really unfortunate. So, uh, and I appreciate everyone for their understanding uh, for us going dark last week. And uh, we thank you for your support. And, uh, and I hope for the best going forward uh, in this situation. Well said, Petey, and, and well explained. Appreciate that. My final thought, I saw Cats. I was hoping it was good. It was, it was as bad as everybody said it was. And I'm looking forward to the Finland trip in, in 2020. I will not be going, or 2020. I will not be going, but I think that's going to be a very fun event to cover and, and watch and follow, and especially with you know, Corpusalo if, if he's back and, and Kekalainen. And I think that'll be a very fun time. And I'm already looking forward to that in 2020. All right. That will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out Angela's album 430. You can find her at AngelaPerley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes. We welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJCanon and comment on JacketsCanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening. Happy New Year. And we will see you next week. I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.